0: Section Three of the Emperor of Portugalia by Selma Lagerlöf, translated by Velma Swanston Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Lars Rolander. Section Three, The Birthday. On the little girl's first birthday, her father was out digging in the field at Falla. He tried to recall to mind how it had been in the old days when he had no one to think about while at work in the field, when he did not have the beating heart in him, and when he had no longing and was never anxious. To think that a man can be like that, he mused in contempt of his old self. If I were as rich as eric of Falla or as strong as brje, who digs here beside me it would be as nothing to having a throbbing heart in your breast that's the only thing that counts glancing over at his comrade a powerfully built fellow who could do again as much work as himself he noticed that to-day the man had not gone ahead as rapidly as usual with the digging they worked by the job burry always took upon himself more work than did jan yet they always finished at about the same time that day however it went slowly for burje he did not even keep up with jan but was left far behind but then jan had been working for all he was worth that he might the sooner get back to his little girl that day he had longed for her more than usual she was always drowsy evenings so unless he hurried home early he was likely to find her asleep for the night when he got home. When Jan had completed his work, he saw that Pörje was not even half through. Such a thing had never happened before in all the years they had worked together, and Jan was so astonished he went over to him. Pörje was standing deep down in the ditch, trying to loosen a clump of sod. He had stepped on a piece of glass and received an ugly gash on the bottom of his foot so that he could hardly step on it imagine the torture of having to stand and push the spade into the soil with an injured foot aren't you going to quit soon asked jan i'm obliged to finish this job to-day replied the comrade i can't get any grain from eric falla till the work is done and we're all out of rye meal then good night for to-day said jan did not respond he was too tired and done up to give even the customary good-night salutation jan of ruffluck walked to the edge of the field but there he halted what does it matter to the little girl whether or not you come home for her birthday he thought she's just as well off without you but burje has seven kiddies at home and no food for them Shall you let them starve, so that you can go home and play with Glory Goldie? Then he wheeled round, walked back to Burge, and got down into the ditch to help him. Jan was rather tired after his day's toil, and could not work very fast. It was almost dark when they got through. Glory Goldie must be asleep this long while, thought Jan, when he finally put in the spade for the last bit of earth. "'Good-night for today," he called back to Börje for the second time. "'Good-night,' returned Börje, "'and thanks for your help. "'Now I must hurry along and get my rye. "'Another time I'll give you a lift. "'Be sure of that.' "'I don't want any pay. "'Good-night.' "'Don't you want anything for helping me?' asked Börje. "'What's come over you that you're so stuck up all at once?' Well, you see, it's uh, it's the lassie's birthday today, and for that I got help with my digging. Yes, for that and for something else too. Well, good bye to you. Jan hurried away so as not to be tempted to explain what that something else was. It had been on the tip of his tongue to say, "Today is not only Glory Goldie's birthday." but it's also the birthday of my heart it was as well perhaps that he did not say it for borje would surely have thought jan had gone out of his mind christmas morn christmas morning jan took the little girl along with him to church she was then just one year and four months old katrina thought the girl rather young to attend church and feared she would set up a howl as she had done at the vaccination bee but inasmuch as it was the custom to take the little ones along to christmas matins jan had his own way so at five o'clock on christmas morn they all set out it was pitch dark and cloudy but not cold in fact the air was almost balmy and quite still, as it usually is toward the end of December. Before coming to an open highway, they had to walk along a narrow winding path through fields and groves in the ashdales, then take the steep winter road across Snipa Ridge. The big farmhouse at Falla, with lighted candles at every window, stood out as a beacon to the Rafflock folk, so that they were able to find their way to burjes hut there they met some of their neighbors bearing torches they had prepared on christmas eve each torch bearer led a small group of people most of whom followed in silence but all were happy they felt that they too like the wise men of old were following a star in quest of the new-born king when they came to the forest heights they had to pass by a huge stone which had been hurled at Svartsjö church by a giant down in frykerud but which luckily had gone over the steeple and dropped here on snipa ridge when the churchgoers came along the stone lay as usual on the ground but they knew they did that in the night it had been raised upon twelve golden pillars and that the trolls had danced and feasted under it it was not so very pleasant to have to walk past a stone like that jan looked over at katrina to see whether she was holding the little girl securely katrina calm and unconcerned walked along chatting with one of their neighbors she was quite oblivious apparently to the terrors of the place the spruce trees up there were old and gnarled and their branches were dotted with clumps of snow as seen in the glow of the torchlight, one could not but think that some of the trees were really trolls with gleaming eyes beneath snow hats and long sharp claws protruding from thick snow mittens. It was all very well, so long as they held themselves still, but what if one of them should suddenly stretch forth a hand and see somebody? There was no special danger for grown-ups and old people. But Jan had always heard that the trolls had a great fondness for small children. The smaller, the better. It seemed to him that Katrina was holding the little girl very carelessly. It would be no trick at all for the huge claw-like troll hands to snatch the child from her. Of course, he could not take the baby out of her arms in a dangerous spot like this, for that might cause the trolls to act murmurs and whispers now passed from tree-troll to tree-troll the branches creaked as if they were about to bestir themselves jan did not dare ask the others if they saw or heard what he did a question of that sort might be the very thing to rouse the trolls in this agony of suspense he knew of but one thing to do he struck up a psalm tune He had a poor singing voice, and had never before sung so anyone could hear him. He was so weak at carrying a tune that he was afraid to sing out even in church. But now he had to sing, no matter how it went. He observed that the neighbors were a little surprised. Those who walked ahead of him nudged each other and looked round. But that did not stop him. He had to continue. Immediately one of the women-folk whispered to him, Wait a bit, Jan, and I'll help you. She took up the Christmas carol in the correct melody and the correct key. It sounded beautiful, this singing, in the night among the trees, and soon everybody joined in. Hail, blessed morn, my prophet's holy words foretold, rang out on the air. A murmur of anguish came from the tree-trolls, They bowed their heads so that their wicked eyes were no longer visible, and drew in their claws under spruce needles and snow. When the last measure of the first stanza died away, no one could have told that there was anything besides ordinary old spruce trees on the forest heights. The torches that had lighted the Ashdale's fork through the woods were burned out when they came to the high road but there they went on guided by the lights from the peasant huts when one house was out of sight they glimpsed another in the distance and every house along the road had candles burning at all the windows to guide the poor wanderers on their way to church at last they came to a hillock from which the church could be seen there stood the house of god like a gigantic lantern light streaming out through all its windows when the footfarers saw this they held their breath after all the little low-windowed huts they had passed along the way the church looked marvellously big and marvellously bright at the sight of the sacred edifice jan fell to thinking about some poor folk in palestine who had wandered in the night from bethlehem to jerusalem with a child their only comfort and joy, who was to be circumcised in the temple of the holy city. These parents had to group their way in the darkness of night, for there were many who sought the life of their child. The people from the Ashdales had left home at an surly hour, so as to reach the church ahead of those who drew thither. But when they were quite near the church grounds, sleighs with foaming horses and jingling bells went flying past forcing the poor footfarers to take to the snow-banks at the edge of the road jan now carried the child he was continually dodging vehicles for the tramp along the road had become very difficult but before them lay the shining temple if they could only get to it they would be sheltered and safe from harm suddenly from behind there came a deafening noise of clanging bells and clamping hoofs a huge sledge drawn by two horses was coming on the front seat sat a young gentleman in a fur coat and a high fur cap and his young wife the gentleman was driving behind him stood his coachman holding a burning torch so high that the draught blew the flame backward leaving in its wake a long trail of smoke and flying sparks jan with the child in his arms stood at the edge of the snowbank. all at once his foot sank deep in the snow and he came near falling quickly the gentleman in the sledge drew rein and shouted to the peasant whom he had forced from the road hand over the child and it shall ride to the church with us it's risky carrying a little baby when there are so many teams out much obliged to you said jan anderson but i can get along all right we'll put the little girl between us jan said the young wife thanks he returned but you needn't trouble yourselves so you're afraid to trust us with the child laughed the man in the sledge and drove on the foot-farers trudged along under ever-increasing difficulties sledged follow every horse in the parish was in harness that christmas morning you might have let him take the girl said katrina i'm afraid you'll fall with her what i let him have my child what are you thinking of woman didn't you see who he was what harm would there have been in letting her ride with the superintendent of the ironworks? jan anderson of ruffluck stood stock still was that the superintendent at doveness he said looking as though he had just come out of a dream why of course who did you suppose it was yes where had jan's thoughts been what child had he been carrying where had he intended going in what land had he wandered he stood stroking his forehead and looked rather bewildered when he answered Katrina. "I thought it was Herod, king of Judea, and his wife Herodias," he said. End of section 3, read by Lars Rolander.